Today's reading is Luke 1, 5 through 25. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. King's Quest students, first through fourth grade, you can head to the lobby and find your teachers and the rest of you may be seated. Well, good morning, Grace Long Beach. You guys are so much better at that than you were like a year ago, I love it. Thank you, I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> um, it's good to be here with you guys this morning. We are diving into our series on the book of Luke. We did an introduction last week, and so we're really starting to get into the meat of the text this week, and, and I'm excited um, for that. I'm excited for hopefully what God will be doing in our church through this book, and just excited for the real life topics that come up as we engage scripture, right? Like, there are those moments where I, I kind of take a step back and think about this book that was written thousands of years ago, it still is impactful for me. We see this story of this older couple who has been waiting for a very long time. 
kind of overlaid on the story of God's people, Israel, who have been waiting for a Messiah for a very long time. And I can't help but think about my house right now. You see, I have a junior hire who is really fascinated with um, Air Jordans, with Jordan shoes. And he wants all of the most expensive Jordans because he's got to have that drip. <laughs> Parents of junior hires know what I'm talking about. And we're telling him, dude, you got to wait because he does not yet know how to really take care of his shoes. He's going to run through the mud. He's going to tear them up. And when I say that, he's like, no, 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 I'm only going to wear them on special occasions. And I'm like, dude, still, you got to wait. Because what that means is you're going to spend lots of your own dollars, not my dollars, your own dollars for shoes that you'll only wear a few times before your feet grow out of them. Church, it is hard to wait. It's hard to wait in the things that are really important to a junior hire. It's hard to wait in the things that seem really important to us. It's hard to wait for God. But we have some examples in this passage this morning of people who are waiting some who are waiting well, some who are struggling in the waiting. So we're going to read through the passage again, even though Kelly did a great job. Uh, we're going to consider the passage through the eyes of three different characters, Zechariah, Elizabeth, and finally God. And the prayer in this is that in seeing their stories, hearing their stories and thinking about them, this will help us to be a people who wait well. Because I don't know about you, but um, I don't feel like my life has arrived. <laughs> there are still things I'm waiting for. As an individual, as a family, as a church, we're hopeful and we're waiting. We're excited to see what God has next. But it's not just about the next thing. It's about the faithfulness in the waiting. So would you pray with me before we dive in? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it still speaks to us. We thank you for your spirit that is here now, that same spirit that you filled uh, John the Baptist with is the same spirit that you fill us with. It's the same spirit that has led your church from generation to generation. We thank you that you are a God who sends his spirit to provide comfort. Lord, there are things that are not as important like shoes that we're waiting for, but there are also heavy things, hard things that we've been waiting for for a long time. And so we ask that your spirit would provide comfort for those who have been waiting for what feels like forever. Jesus, we turn to you. You are our hope. We ask that you would be with us, that you would fill us, that you would speak through your word so that your people would be a more accurate reflection of what you are like, so that those who don't yet know you would come to know you, so that Long Beach would look a little bit more like heaven on earth uh, as it is in your kingdom. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're in Luke chapter one, starting in verse five. If you have a pew Bible that's underneath your seat, way under there, you can find it. You're gonna be on page 855. We're gonna be reading, starting in Luke chapter one, Verse five, the story of the birth of John the Baptist foretold. This is what Luke says. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. So Luke is giving us some context here. 
He's letting us know when this story begins, when this story is taking place, right? So for us, it would be in the second, second or third year of the Biden administration. That's where we are. That's not a political statement. That's a marker of time and context. So we know when these events took place. And I wonder if God didn't do that for people like us, years and years and years and years removed, to remember that this isn't just once upon a time. This was in a particular historic context where real things were happening politically and socially and culturally. In the midst of this time, when Herod was king, God's people were waiting for the Messiah to be revealed, for the Savior, the promised one who would make things right. I wonder if anyone feels that. No matter what the administration is, things are not yet fully made right, and God's people are still waiting. Verse six, both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. What an introduction. Could you imagine like you're gonna speak somewhere and and the person introduces you and they're like, all right, Beth Balmer, upright in the sight of the Lord, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Welcome her to the stage. (laughs) I would love, I I don't think anyone would say that about me, maybe Beth, but not me. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by Lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So we see um, Zechariah is going to work. He's doing his job. In this time, when this person's king, this is what's going on in his life, he's shown up to work faithfully and he's doing his job. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. I bet he was. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which came true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to to speak. Like, I just, I wonder what that game of charades was like. (laughs) Like, if you're playing charades and it's like, 
describe you saw the angel Gabriel of the Lord in the temple and he told you that you would bear a son even in your old age and he would be a great joy to many people and return the people of Israel back to the Lord. Their God. Like, how do you, right? Like, what are you gonna do? But he did it. When the time of service was coming, was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. What a beautiful statement. So let's look at Zechariah. Let's consider this guy. We know that he's blameless and upright. We know he does what God asks of him, right? The Lord is pleased with him. Luke tells us this in his incredible introduction. He's a priest. He's been called from his home into the temple for a week to provide these services, uh, to perform these, these rituals and duties at the temple, as was the custom for the priests in the different areas. So he's away doing that. We know that he's a little bit older, in his words, a lot a bit older, and, and he's in the temple and he sees an angel. Now, something detrimental has happened to us because in our culture, when we hear angel, we may think like precious moments figurine. Don't think that. Think like a gigantic warrior of God who is clearly not of this earth. That's why whenever someone sees an angel, the first thing they say is, don't be afraid. When you see precious moments, you're not afraid right? This is like chubby little baby. Don't, it's not chubby baby angel. This is mighty warrior of God angel. So the first thing he says is do not be afraid. And the first thing Zechariah says is, are you sure? Like, how could this be? And it feels easy to poke fun at him, but I kind of want to do that anyways, right? Like he's been praying, says God has heard his prayers not prayer, but prayers for a long time. God finally sends a messenger in all of his angelic power and might. Not only does the angel know his name, the angel knows his wife's name, he knows their situation, he gives this incredible promise of joy for them. The thing you have prayed for, for years and years and years and years, decades and decades and decades, God has answered, and not just like an ordinary kid that'll like kind of be all right. Like he'll bring great joy to you. Not only will he bring great joy to you, he's gonna do an incredible act amidst God's people, returning many of God's people back to the Lord. And Zechariah's response is like, I don't know. I'm not quite sure about this. And this is where, like, even in the jest, like, it starts to get challenging for me because I remember so many times, especially earlier on in my faith, thinking, like, man, his disciples were idiots. Like, if I would have walked with Jesus, I would have known. Right? Like, if I was one of the Israelites who got led out of Egypt, saw the plagues, like, there's no way I would have grumbled in the wilderness. Right? We have the same, right? Seeing is believing. But time and time again, we see character after character in Scripture who sees and still doubts. And it would be great news if it ended like in the Bible times. But when I'm honest, I still feel like this. On good days, I can think back and remember how God has been faithful, 
how God has provided for me and my family, how God has protected us, how God has been so, so, so good. And then I have a little hiccup in my day and I'm like, oh, all is lost. Back to square one, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Where is God, is God even here? And maybe it's not enough just to see. Maybe God is calling us to something deeper, like faith, like trust, like perseverance. God is revealing himself incredibly clear to Zechariah. Faith is still hard for him. And I don't know if that resonates with you, but that resonates with me. And I know as I've talked with some folks around this week, there's this really weird phenomenon that I think it's safe to say most of us experience at one time or another. It's where we know things about God, but sometimes it's hard for us to feel those same things. And then there's like this weird like other facet of that where like I know things about how God feels about all of you and I feel them. I know God loves you and I feel that God loves you. I know that God will forgive whatever sin you have committed in your life. I firmly feel that, I believe it to my core. But then when I turn introspective, that's where it gets tricky. It's easier for me to feel like God loves you than it is for me to feel like God loves me. And I can't help but wonder if that same thing was true for Zechariah as he's one of the spiritual leaders of the nation, offering prayers on behalf of the people, wanting the best, praying for the best, doing the sacrifices, lighting the incense for the nation, for their spiritual health, and as soon as God gives him good news, he's like, are you sure? Really? Me? It's so much easier to believe for other people than it is to believe for ourselves sometimes. And so we have to ask ourselves, who do we trust? What story are we believing? What story are we putting our hope in? A God who loves others? That's part of it. A God who loves us as well. A God who wants the good of, uh, of the cool kids or the successful people or those people that you know, they have to pray more than you do. Like those are the ones who get all the blessings. Or a God who desires to bless us as well individuals, right? Don't hear us like the collective in the room, but like you individually. Zechariah knows. He's declared faithful and upright. He observes the law. He does the things. But he still struggles with that good news. Sometimes it's easier for us to accept the bad news than it is the good news. It's easier for us to accept the critique when people tell us what we do wrong than the compliments, how we're a blessing. Sometimes the truth is right in front of us, standing as a gigantic angel, and we still have a hard time believing it. That's not a surprise to God. I don't think God was surprised at Zechariah's response. I don't think that like made God shift his plans. Like, oh no, Zechariah didn't believe. He still blessed him. God saw that doubt and he still blessed him. 
What a good God. Now, there's something that happens in the meantime, right? He questions the angel, and the angel's like, dude, I'm, I'm Gabriel. I literally stand next to God, and you're going to question me. You're not going to talk. You're going to be unable to speak. There, in the text, there's a clear connection between his lack of faith and this inability to speak for a number of months. And in our preaching team meeting, as we were talking about this, Daniel had a beautiful insight. He goes, I wonder if that was a gift. I wonder if that time of silence wouldn't have been a gift. I mean, think about it. He used his words to doubt God. Are you sure this is gonna happen? And every time he tried to speak, there is a tangible reminder, this is going to happen. The times that he may have been led to doubt, compelled to doubt, mm, nope, God is who God says he is. God is gonna do what he promised. God gave him a reminder until the baby was born that what he said would come true. God doesn't change. Our faith may waver, but God doesn't change. So who do we trust? Who do we trust as we wait? What story are we believing? The true story of the whole world that gives shape and meaning to all of life, the Bible, or these other narratives that are so tempting to believe? I identify with Zechariah, and I am thankful for the Elizabeths in my life. Because in Elizabeth, we see a different story. We see a woman who waits faithfully. Her response is incredible. She doesn't say, how can I be sure of this? She says, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. What disgrace? So culturally in that time, if a couple was unable to have children, it was assumed there must be unrepented, unconfessed sin. There must be some sin in their life. That's why God would be withholding this blessing. That was the common assumption. Now further, we see in the text that the assumption is placed on Elizabeth. She's the one with the problem, not the man, not, certainly not the priest. It must be the old woman. The old woman who we see from the text is disgraced among the people. Now last week we talked about some of the things that Luke does in this book. Here in this first story, we see this first instance of, God, of Luke flipping things on their head. The assumption was that the man would be more righteous. The priest would be the most righteous. In the barren old woman who was disgraced amongst the people, we see the faithful response. We see the acceptance of God's will rejoicing in what the Lord has done. We see Elizabeth wait with perseverance. It had to be hard. It had to be hard for her as friend after friend got pregnant, as prayer after prayer was answered. What about me? What about us? That tension of rejoicing with others but still feeling the loss, that's real. And what's so hard, guys, is for us as we pray, it's nearly impossible, if not totally impossible, to discern the difference between no and not yet. We don't know. But we know that we're called to trust. 
We know that we're called to hope. We know that we're called to pray, even when it feels difficult. Even when it's the thing that we've prayed for year after year after year after year. In a different but somewhat similar way, we felt that this morning. I don't know if you've seen the news, but last night around 10.30, there was a shooting in Monterey Park, like less than 20 miles from here. At a celebration of Lunar New Year, the last total I saw was 10 people were killed. And as we were talking about it as as lead pastors, you know, Beth made the comment of, "I'm, I'm so tired of praying for the same thing over and over. And it made me think back, right? Like the first one that I was aware of, it was, I'm gonna date myself here, my senior year of high school, 1999, was the Columbine shooting. And I remember in the youth group, I'd only been a Christian a few years, like we prayed, like, oh my gosh, how could this happen? And then another one. And God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And then another one. Jesus, you're reconciling all things. And then another one. All across the nation. I remember the impact of being, you know, a pretty new dad when Sandy Hook happened. And oh my gosh, sending kids to school, like little kids. And and feeling the weight of that and praying and like, okay, God, like what are we going to do? And seeing initiatives and seeing plans and seeing policies proposed. And another one. And reflecting on, you know, last week, we're praying for the Sanctity of Life Sunday. We're praying to honor Dr. King and his nonviolent movement. And another one. And the death of Keenan Anderson, again, not too far away from here. And another one. And so how do we respond? Do we respond with this current cultural trend, right? Like, keep your thoughts and prayers. We don't want your thoughts and prayers. Or do we respond as believers who understand the way forward is prayer and action? Is seeking God's face and loving neighbor well? Caring for others and their tangible felt needs well, whether it's mental health or whatever the thing is. How do we continue moving forward in prayer for these things that feel like, ah, another one's gonna happen, but we're still called to hold hope. We're still called to embody a kingdom where there is no sadness, no death, no sin, where every tear is wiped away from every eye. That is what we are called to embody. We don't ignore the realities of our world. We follow the lamb, not the ostrich. The ostrich puts his head in the sand and pretends like everything's fine. The lamb moves forward sacrificially in love for the sake of the other. And so I would invite us, even in this moment, to pray. We're gonna take 30 seconds. You can pray by yourself. You can pray with those around you. We know that families' lives were disrupted this morning when they woke up to news. We're not making a political statement. We're not taking some kind of cultural social position. We're saying fellow image bearers lost their lives and we weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. So we invite you at this time, we can take about 30 seconds just to pray for those families, pray for justice, pray for the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven.
Father, we come to you again asking for more of your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We come to you because you are good and you are in control. We come to you on behalf of families who woke up to devastating news. Your word tells us that you are the comforter, so please send your spirit who comforts. God, you are creator, so we ask for better creativity to figure out how to love our neighbors more effectively here and now. You are the Prince of Peace. So as we follow you, Jesus, help us to embody your peace and spread your peace here in Long Beach, in Southern California, in all the places where you send us. You are a God of justice who always acts justly. So help us as your people to embody your justice on earth as it is in heaven. You are a God of faithfulness and perseverance who does not change. Lord, we grow tired. So help us to hope in you and renew our strength. We need you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen. We see from Zechariah this encouragement to wait with faith. We see from Elizabeth this encouragement to wait with perseverance. And the third character I want to look at in this story is God himself. God who created everything good. God who invited Adam and Eve to dwell in the garden with him to eat from any fruit except for the one. God who knew that opportunity was there for them to choose that fruit. To consider the God who, as they ate the fruit, continued to move towards them. Where are you? He asks. What has happened? What have you done? It's God who understood the impact of their decision way better than they ever could. The long-term cost to him and to other image bearers of sin distorting every aspect of God's good creation. This God who is always present, who is always moving towards his people. This God who called Abraham and who gave him a crazy task, right? Okay, the son that I finally give you after he as well in his old age had a child, sacrifice him on top of the mountain unspeakable. But what Abraham didn't know was as he and Isaac were walking up the mountain, on the other side of a mountain, there was a ram also coming to the top. I think of Moses, who couldn't have known as he was leading God's people towards the sea that there was a God who was beginning to rumble the waters, beginning to clear a path. God has not changed. I think of God who watches his, his people, he watched his armies go out to fight, and he saw Goliath taunting his people, taunting the king, taunting the generals, the God who knew that there was a boy who was courageous. God always provides a way. This God who promises, I will send my Messiah, the promised one, to make things right for you. And as the people doubt, the same God who would send prophets to remind them, remember who God is. When all seemed lost and, and, and the greatest hope for Israel was Samson, like this dude who slept around and was like wildly unfaithful to God and his people, God still knew he would give Samson strength. 
When it feels like all is lost, there is a God who still does these things. Who gives us these stories of like, we don't know what's on the other side of the mountain. We don't know what's gonna happen with the waters. We don't know that God himself would put on flesh and become a baby. We're gonna get there like in a few weeks. But God is the same. As Zechariah and as Elizabeth prayed and prayed and felt like it was a no and a no and a no, a baby was coming. This is the God in whom we trust. This is why we can wait with faith and we can wait with perseverance because there is a God who has not changed, who continues to do the same things. Jesus told the disciples, I'm going to die. And then he's killed and they're like, what's going on? But we serve a God who knows that the resurrection is coming. He says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send my spirit and you're gonna be my, my witnesses in the whole world. And the early church is freaking out. What are we doing? It feels like we're being scattered. And God is who he's always said he would be. Faithful, providing a way, usually like a wildly unexpected way. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, that has been true in my life as well. It's rarely like the most obvious thing, right? Like, oh, it's, it's clear, God, I want this. And then God just brings something way different, but in the long term, way better. It may involve pain, but ultimately it's way better. I think, I mean, you guys all know this, right? Like, you know the next months or probably years, there's gonna be a lot of baby illustrations in my, you guys know that, right? <laughs> like, I see that as he's being escorted out. Uh, I, I see this with Isaiah, right? It's like, dude, you, you have a full diaper. You need to get your diaper changed. And he's like, no. Like, I need your leg to go straight so that I can unzip the one. No, 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 no. And then I, we finally like wrestle him and you know, get, the, get the new diaper on him and he's like, oh, I feel so much better. Is that not us with God? Right, like do this thing. No, no, I don't think so, God. Oh, you're the angel that stands next to God? Like I'm still not sure. I don't know if I'm gonna do that, God. God's like, trust me, just trust me. Your diaper is disgusting. <laughs> we need to clean this thing up. And we fight it and we resist it over and over and over. But he is a good Father, from the beginning, for longer than any of us have been around, he has been good and kind. In those areas that are hard to believe that, it's still true. In church, this is why we need each other, because we all have those areas like Zechariah that are really, really, really hard for us to hold hope in. We need other people to speak truth to that. We need people to encourage us. You remind me of Elizabeth in your faithfulness and your service. Thank you for your example. We need that sometimes. We need people to remind us that God is who he says he is. We need Mike to lead us in songs that remind us of that as we sing together. When I can't muster the words, I need to be able to look at each of you and see you sing on my behalf because the waiting is hard. But God is good. Sometimes we just need that reminder. So I'm gonna pray for us, and I'm gonna invite us into a, a time to just pray for one another. And you can be as honest and vulnerable as you want with the people you're praying with. This is the hard thing that I have not had faith for in years. Pray for it. Maybe that's too difficult in this moment, that's okay. Hey, pray for me, period. And we're gonna pray for one another. Now for some of us, 
We're gonna take a moment and ask God to speak what we should pray, even though the person told us what to pray for, just for a moment, Spirit, what would you have me say? And then something may come to mind, pray that thing. Nothing may come to mind. That's okay, you're not weird, that happens to me all the time. We're still gonna pray for them. So we just wanna create a space in our community where we can hear from one another and pray for one another. Does that make sense? Last thing I'm gonna say about it. If you feel nervous and scary, like scared for this because it's awkward, so does everyone else. Do it anyways, <laughs> all right? We feel nervous and awkward as well, that's okay. We're gonna keep doing it until it becomes second nature. I probably just lost some people. They're like, we're gonna keep praying for one another at church? I don't know. Jesus, you are good. <laughs> and you are in control. And you invite us into scary things. And you show up. Father, I thank you for the ways that you have showed up for me, for the ways that you've showed up for my family. I thank you for the stories of the ways that you have showed up here at Grace Long Beach for over a century. I thank you for the ways you are showing up now. Father, thank you for the ways that you will show up in the coming years. You are a good God. God, I thank you for the people that have decades of, of relationship and trust with one another. Would you encourage them to be vulnerable as they pray together? Lord, I thank you for new people who may feel intimidated that they don't know anyone in the room and we're gonna pray together. Lord, give us all courage. Help us to be kind and welcoming. Help us to trust you as we step out. Lord, it's not lost on me that this can bring up things that, that, are, that are deep, that are hurt, hurtful and, and painful, and it's felt like years of no, those family members that we love deeply, whose salvation we have prayed for over and over and over. Jesus, where are you? Come quickly and show up. Look, the healings that have been prayed for, that sickness would leave because there is no sickness in your kingdom, and we have prayed over and over and over and it's hard to keep praying, Lord, give us hope. Help us to trust others with those burdens. Jesus is, it seems like so many around us are bouncing from other options, solutions other than you, and finding none of them fulfilled. Would you help us to turn to, towards you wholeheartedly? Help us to trust you deeply, Jesus. Will that trust in you and the confidence that it brings be a light to those who don't yet know you? Be a path forward in an uncertain world where you are true, where you are good, and Jesus, where you are so much more beautiful than anything else. Remind us of these things. We pray this in your name, amen. So now as Mike and the band come up, They'll lead us, they'll be singing. If you're led to sing, we have time to pray with one another as you're led to pray. We invite you to listen to the Spirit and, and to respond as the Spirit leads.